Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. Good morning, everybody. Is anybody awake this morning? Because I am not. Anybody? Cool. That's what I figured. Nobody is, okay? Uh, so here, here's the deal. Um, I, I'm going to need, like, some, some energy from, from you guys today because here, here's, here's why. Uh, we went and visited the in-laws this weekend. Why do you guys laugh? I'm just, just saying I'm visiting the in-laws. I didn't say anything else, right? No, here's why. They live in southern Indiana. So here's what I'm going to say about them. They are awesome. My in-laws are fantastic. They are some of the kindest, most awesome people. But they live a long ways away, okay? And they live, like, 10-plus hours away. The saving grace is southern people know how to make great food. Minnesotans, not anybody in here, okay, not anybody in here. All you guys can make great food, but everybody else struggles a little bit. So uh, we went and visited the in-laws this weekend, and they are awesome. Uh, But we left on Wednesday morning at like 5.30 in the morning, and we left yesterday at like 4.30, 3 o'clock, somewhere in there in the morning. And so uh, it's all kind of running together. I'm a little out of it, but we're going to have a great day today. And here's what I'm going to say. I know sometimes it comes across cliche. Sometimes it's a little bit like, oh, here we go again. But I, just, I want to take a moment this morning uh, of something that I walked through Wednesday night that was really, really kind of profound for me. Uh, when we got in and we got settled and the kids went to bed, um, you know, we it was quiet in, in the room we were staying in. And I just kind of had this moment of just really kind of feeling thankful for our church. And here's why. Uh, Because it's awesome that we have a building. It's awesome uh, that we have some incredible staff that do so many awesome things. We have team members that just do these incredible events and lead so, so well. Uh, It's just, it's so awesome. But here's what I just, I was just so overwhelmed with the fact that the people that make up the Bridge Church are special. They really are. Uh, You guys, you guys walk in. Yeah, give it up for yourselves, okay? Again, I, I, I mean this from the most authentic part of my heart. This is not some pastor speak. This is just Derek genuinely feeling uh, thankful because when you guys walk into this place on a Sunday morning, you come expecting, and you come expecting God to speak to you. You come expecting God to speak something profound to you, and, and, and you come exactly as you are. And can I tell you just how much I appreciate that? It's so cool just seeing people connect with each other and, and just love on each other, and I'm just I'm a pastor who today who just feeling very thankful for the Bridge Church. Not the building, not the staff, but for you. So if you're just grateful for yourself, can you just put your hands together this morning? I won't ask you to clap anymore. Some of you guys are like, when we went to the traditional church, we had to stand up and sit down. This place makes me clap for every other thing, okay? We're not going to go down that, that rabbit trail today. But uh, is anybody looking forward to springtime? When you drive into church and the ground is white, some of you are like, oh, it's magical. And other people are like, this stinks. Like, I hate this, right? I'm in that camp. So today I'm going to kind of take you on a little uh, a little journey, if you will, to envisioning something better, okay? Let's just imagine that for some of us, today after church, we're going to go home, have a meal. Bikes don't play until Monday. So we're going to jump on a plane and go to Hawaii. We get to Hawaii. It's 80 degrees and sunny. Glorious. I'm, I'm getting some head nods like, ah, oh, yeah, right? You have a little personal like servant who brings up to you like chicken wings and 
you know, iced tea with a little umbrella in there. Your kids are off back in Minnesota, and it's just you and your spouse. All the parents are like, hey, man, that's awesome, right? That's that's beautiful. That's amazing. Um, if you have adult kids, they're with you too, but they're off doing their own thing. You're just chilling in an Adirondack chair watching the waves crash. Is anybody else like, does that just not sound dreamy to some of you? Some of you guys are like, <laughs> no, that's sweat. That's sunburn. That is not my cup of tea. Put me in a cabin in Colorado by myself with a stack of books and a wood fire. Anybody else in that camp? A few of us, and you guys are loving today's weather, all right? I don't know what it looks like for you, but here's what I do know. Every single one of us has an idea of like what like a peaceful, relaxing situation looks like. For some of you, if I said, hey, uh, I want you just to get away, recharge your batteries, do your thing. Some, most of us are going to somewhere warm, but some of us are going to that cabin. Some of us are going to, you know, just our house, but no one else is in our house. It's just us. Whatever that looks like for you, I want you to kind of have that picture in the back of your mind because here's what it looks like for me. Here is my picture of true and utter peace. <clears throat> I took this picture two and a half weeks ago. I had mud up to here in my waders. Uh, my, my feet were completely entrenched in mud. Uh, but here's I, here's where I want to take this picture because this is one of those moments where I kind of was just like the whole world stood still for just a moment. Just a moment. Like, I was sitting here in this random tiny slough in North Dakota. I had my best friend off on my right. My dad was back behind me. Uh, and just there wasn't a whisper of wind. Unless there was a tiny little like, ripple in the water. That was from me unstucking my right foot so I didn't fall over. Uh, but it was truly, truly still. It was like 55 degrees, which is way too hot to be hunting. But that, I can't control that. But it was just like it was that moment where, like, everything was so so still and quiet and they're just just the stillness of the moment kind of just like propelled me into just going right because our life is crazy and busy and chaotic isn't it and when you get moments like this or moments like hawaii or moments like colorado whatever it looks like to you there are moments in your life when the world just stands still and you can just feel the oxygen coming back into your lungs and breathing again. Because otherwise, you're rushing off to work. You're going to do this. You're worrying about that. You're worrying about that. And you can't have a moment of peace because your life is so, so crazy. Judges chapter 6, verse 24. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it, The Lord is Peace. To this day, it stands in Ophrah of the Abyssalites. If you were to open up the King James Version, it's going to be on the screen. It's almost the exact same language. Gideon built an altar there unto the Lord, and he called it Jehovah Shalom. Jehovah Shalom. If you're new with us, my name is Derek. I never introduced myself, but uh, we're glad that you are here. We're in a sermon series called AKA. You can see it here in the corner. Uh, it's covered by this tree, but can I just give one more shout out? I'm not going to make you clap because I told you I wouldn't make you clap, but we have a team that just makes this place look amazing. It has nothing to do with me, so they did awesome. But Jehovah Shalom, we're in this series called AKA, we're talking about the names of God. We believe in one God, but he has different names that describe his personality, describe his character. And the one we're going to talk about today is Jehovah Shalom. As the NIV says, the Lord is peace. Peace is a funny, funny thing because at our very core, 
Peace is something that every single one of us crave. Every single one of us. Like, show me your greatest dreams, your greatest aspirations, and I will show you at the very root of those dreams and aspirations is a desire for peace. A lot of people talk to me, like, I ask, like, what are, you, what are you passionate about? What are you dreaming about? Well, you know, I, I just really want to, to, to make a difference in my company. I want to cl- climb the corporate ladder so I can, I can have that bigger paycheck. I can have that title. I can have that different thing. And I'm like, awesome. That's really, really cool. But do you want to at the base of that? Peace. Why do you want to make more money? So I can provide for my family. What does provision of your family mean? Peace. That everything's going to be okay. They're going to have dinner on the, on the table. They're going to have a bed to sleep in. They're going to have heat in the house. We crave peace because peace brings security. Peace brings comfort. Peace just kind of brings a, a just a, everything's going to be okay. And at our very core, we crave peace. Every single one of us. Life is crazy. I just mentioned that. For some of us, the idea of peace and just being able to think straight for a second, that's what we want, that's what we crave. So when we see this word shalom, we understand that in English as peace. But the word shalom is kind of much more encompassing than the word peace. Because that was written in Hebrew. Hebrew has a lot of different meanings inside of it. So let me kind of break this down. Who's been to Hawaii before? Anybody? Raise your hand high. Is it nice? I need to go. I really do. Megan and I are trying to go in two years. But correct me if I'm wrong, but from every, every movie I've watched, every documentary, as soon as you get off the plane and go to ho- your hotel and everything, what do they say to you? Aloha, right? Is that is that correct? Hawaiians, shake your head. Okay. When you go to Hawaii, you will hear aloha all the time, right? Like they say aloha when you say hello. When you say goodbye, it's aloha, right? It's the same word for greeting and farewell. I looked it up because I was like, what, what does that even mean? Aloha basically means like to be in harmony with your soul and the land and something that I don't really fully understand. But Basically, it's kind of just like blessings to you is really what it comes down to. Now, take aloha and kind of just move that to the east, okay? Because if you were to jump on an airplane today and you were to go to Tel Aviv, Israel, when you get off the plane, when you would talk to people, when they greet you, they would say shalom, shalom. If you were to say goodbye, it would be shalom. And what shalom means the word we use for peace here in the Bible, what shalom means is to be in a whole completeness. W-H-O-L-E, a wholeness and a completeness. If you were to break it down, basically it means to be utterly complete. Like everything is perfect. That, that's really what I broke it down to. When we hear the word shalom, as if as everything is perfect and good and smooth and You can see how we get the word peace from that, right? Now, how many of us live in a perpetual state of shalom? Nobody. Nobody does. As much as we wish we did, as much as we wish that could happen, the harsh reality is that life is not peaceful all the time, is it? Turn on the news and you'll find it's not. There's a war here. There's a war there. There's a shooting there. There's a disunity there. There's a fight there. Go into your office. You'll see that this person's upset with this person. This person hates the boss. This person is doing this because they don't like that person. There is a lack of peace everywhere. No matter where you go, no matter what you do, there is a lack of peace. But the irony is, at our very core, it's what we want the most. We want peace. And here's how I know that. Because the Bible says that we were created in the likeness of God. 
That doesn't just mean that we were created to look like him. That means we were meant to embody his personality. We were meant to embody who he is. He's kind. He's compassionate. He's forgiving. We're meant to embody those things. Let's go back to the text because what is the Lord? Verse 24, the Lord is peace. The reason that you want peace so, so bad is because woven into your genetics, woven into your DNA is a desire to be at peace, to be at shalom. As I just said, peace is hard to come by, isn't it? It's one thing to be like, yeah, I wish I could have peace, but I'm worried about my son or my daughter. I'm worried about my niece or my nephew. I'm worried about what my job's going to look like next month. There's all these things in our life that try to rob our peace. So if you want some good news today, I'm going to tell you how you find shalom in a world that is perpetually unshalom like Are you ready? Judges chapter 6. I'm going to go a few verses back because I just read to you 24, which is the end. But I want to read this to you. The Lord turned to him and said, Lee, this isn't going to be on the screen. Just so you know, don't, don't worry back there. You're awesome. This is verse 14. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? But Lord, Gideon asked, How can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. So many times God asks us to do something, and our first response is, I can't. I'm not good enough. I don't know enough. Whenever I talk to somebody, hey, I think you'd be a really good leader for this, they always basically say, I'm honored. That's, I'm really grateful for that, but I just don't know if I can do it. We as human beings tend to doubt ourselves more than anybody else. Verse 16, the Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down the Midianites together. God might be calling you to do something. And you might feel like you don't have it, but I can't understate how important this verse is. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites together. That is the crux of what we're going to talk about today, that idea that the Lord is with you. But I love the humanness of the Bible. It's why I love looking at the Bible is because I can put myself in the shoes of them. Because Gideon, this is, this is not a slight at myself, although that's my favorite slight is slighting myself. Uh, this is not a slight at myself. This is just a matter of fact. Gideon, as you just read, he was a man a lot like me. Not the strongest, not the biggest, not the grisliest. He was just a wee little man. And God's saying, hey, buddy, I'm calling you to lead my country and fight against the Midianites. The Midianites were ruthless, they were big, they were strong, they were powerful. And for the last seven years, seven years, Israel has been bullied around by these people. Whenever the crops come up, they take the crops. Whenever they have good advances, they snatch them from them. They bully them, they beat them up. They are oppressive, mean people. And they're praying and they're praying and praying, God, deliver us from them. And that's why God sent an angel to Gideon right here. But here's why I love the humanness of the Bible. Because like Gideon, I too would be like, you picked the wrong guy. 
surely you can't be me. If anyone's going to deliver a nation, it's going to be Riley, not me. Just look at the guy. He looks way bigger and stronger than I do. But Gideon, you should see Riley's face. Gideon replied, all right, all right. If now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. We love to do this, don't we? God, show me a sign. If you really want me to call my brother and apologize, the next car that drives past me is going to be a Toyota. Chevy Malibu, I'm good, right? We love to do that. We love to kind of say, all right, God, show me a sign. And sometimes when the sign doesn't work, you're like, ooh, dodge that bullet. But for Gideon here, he truly is genuinely looking for a sign. Because I want us to kind of put ourselves back in the story. Gideon, when we pick up the story, he's in a wine press. He's hiding, threshing wheat. When all of a sudden an angel of the Lord comes down and speaks to him. Now, a lot of times it's Christmas season. We think of angels like precious moments, like the little, you know, figurines on your on your nightstand. You know what I'm talking about? This is not what we got going on here, okay? For the, from the context here, basically what's happening is this is an angel sent by God, but kind of in a human form. So this is very similar to as if he was just hanging out and all of a sudden this man walked in, okay? So he asked for a sign, and, the, and this angel said, okay, I'll wait here for you. Gideon went in, and verse, this is in verse 19. He goes in, he gets the, the meat, he gets the bread, he gets all this stuff and brings it back to the angel in verse 20. What does the angel say? The angel of God said to him, take the meat and the unleavened bread, place them on this rock, and pour out the broth. And Gideon did so. With the tip of the staff that was in his hand, the angel's hand, the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread. Fire flared from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread, and the angel of the Lord disappeared. Again, sometimes we read the Bible and we get numb to this. Just, I want you to picture this. This guy named Gideon is kind of like doubting this whole thing. All right, if you're really who you say you are, if you're really God, let me just make sure. Let me grab a sign. He goes home. He grabs a few dollar buns. He grabs the leftover ham from Thanksgiving. He brings all that. Brings it to the angel and says, all right, here you go. With that, I imagine him just kind of sitting back like, all right, let's see what we got here. Sits back. This angel looks at it, takes his staff, touches it. From the rock, this huge flame comes up, takes the food, and with that, the guy just disappears. So I'm, I'm taking some liberties here, but when I look at the scripture, I look at the context, here's what I envision happening. Oh, this was real. This was legitimate. Because look how Gideon responds here. When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, Ah, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. This is not like, ah, great. This is, a, oh, you were real. This is not good. I should have not doubted you before. Okay, this is not super, super great. He is freaked out. He is scared. We look at the other translations. There is a level of fear that washes over Gideon in this moment. But here's where we really press in for the last two verses. Verse 23, but the Lord said to him, peace, 
do not be afraid. You are not going to die. How many of us know first words are important? When you have small kids, you anxiously await that first word. And when it's dada and not mama, you relish in it. First words are important. And here's why Gideon was so freaked out. It's kind of just a mix-up of everything. One, he more or less kind of doubted God, which is not super great. Secondly, if a man just disappears before your eyes, there's just like a level of like, oh, man, that's a little intimidating. But three, what that meant was he was real. His words were legitimate. And, oh, yeah, by the way, you just won the job. And the job was to lead a nation against a bigger, stronger, more intimidating nation, and you're the one in the front. Gideon freaked out. He's scared. And what does the Lord speak to him? Peace. Shalom. Utter completeness. Perfection. Don't be afraid. You're not going to die. Verse 24, so Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it the Lord is Last thing I want to talk about in terms of this text, and then we're going to jump into what it means for us. But an altar was a lot of times constructed for two reasons. Number one, it was a place to commune with God. It was a place in which you could kind of connect with God. Very similar to how you come to church. When you come to church, you can connect with God through worship. You can connect with God through hearing a message. You can connect with God through talking about stuff with people. A place to connect with God. That's what an altar did back in the Old Testament. But an altar was also used to commemorate something significant as like a, a remembrance of that. It was a place that was special. Like this is, this is the place where things change for me. Now, I never built an altar, but I have those places. If you were to jump in a car this afternoon and drive down to Minneapolis and go to a little campus called North Central University, there is a place on that campus called Lichty Hall. If you were to go into Lichty Hall and go up two sets of stairs on some horrible maroon shag carpet, there's a place in that floor that I will never, ever forget. Because it was that place, I could show you the place on the floor where I saw Meg for the very first time. I'll never forget it. I'm I'm being 100% serious. I could tell you exactly where it was because I was like, man, that lady is beautiful. And way out of my league. If you were to go there, there's probably still some sweat spots stained in the carpet. I'll never forget that place. Because that's where something significant changed me forever. I could take you to this, a different spot at Lake Geneva Christian Center in Alexandria. A place in the balcony where I felt like God was saying, Hey, Derek, you're called into ministry. Go and chase this call. I could take you to a place in North Dakota, a slough where I shot my first ever duck. All these places to me are significant because something tangible happened that will forever mark me. The same thing is happening here for Gideon. He built an altar to commemorate something. And what did he call it? The Lord is peace. The Lord is peace. And why that's really, really significant is because the Lord is peace is not just some cute name. It's something symbolic that he was feeling inside. In this moment, Gideon must have been overwhelmed with peace. But here's why it's significant to me and to you. 
that he named it Florida Keys. But he needs to understand, nothing about this situation was peaceful. The nation of Israel was still at war. They were still being punished and brutally oppressed by the Midianites. Just because Gideon had this moment didn't change the fact that the nation of Israel was still in hiding. It's not peaceful. It's scary. Gideon was just handed a job title. You're going to be a leader. And when you lead, you understand leadership is awesome. It's a gift. It's an honor. But leadership is hard. It's lonely. You get the brunt of things. And Gideon knows all too well the Israelites are not having a party. He knows if he steps into this leadership, it's going to be difficult. It's not peaceful. And perhaps the icing on the cake, you just had an encounter with God that marked you forever. And you're not sure what's going to happen, where it's going to take you, but you know he's 100% real in that moment. And here's all I can ascertain. Here's uh, The more I study, the more I look into it. I sit there and I go, Gideon, nothing about your external is peaceful. So how in the world do you sit here and you call this altar the Lord is peace. How do you feel peace? Because everything around you is not peaceful. Verse 16. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites together. Peace. Do not be afraid. You're not going to die. Gideon has peace in that moment because he knows that the Lord is with him. He names it, the Lord is peace. It's who he is. What that means for you and I, everybody, is when you walk through life, there are going to be things in your life that are difficult. Jesus talks about, he says in the New Testament, in this world, you will have trouble. Not you might have trouble, you will have trouble. You are going to walk through things in your life that are challenging, that are difficult, that are very, very challenging. And in those moments, peace is the first thing to go. When you're stressed, when you're overwhelmed, when you're scared, peace is the last thing you feel because all those other emotions take over. But Gideon calls it the Lord is peace because he understands that even though I'm walking through something, even though I'm walking through something that's way beyond me, way bigger than me, I'm not worried. I'm not overwhelmed to the point of dejection because I know that the Lord is with me. And the Lord is peace. I've walked through some really challenging things with people. I've walked through some really challenging things personally. And I feel and I sense this grappling. I, I just We try to change the external. If I could just handle this, if I could just get a grip on this, if I could just wrap my head around this, then I could find peace. But we get the, the order in reverse. Because peace is available to you regardless of what you're walking through, through Jesus. The Lord is peace. It's who he is. And so to find peace in your life, it's not a matter of trying to fix the externals so that your internal peace is intact. It's in reverse. You get your internal intact. You make sure you find Jesus. You find peace through him. And then you tackle the external. That's how it works.
Because no amount of changing, everybody, no amount of manipulation was going to make this a good situation for Gideon. They were bigger. They were faster. They were stronger. They were more armed. They had more experience. They had advantages. They had resources. No amount of positive thinking was going to just go, ah, we can do this. It had to be an internal peace. Knowing the Lord is with me, I'm not going to die. So I'm going to take that peace and move forward with it. And here's why that's significant to you. Here's why it's significant to me. Because you can't give something you don't have. How many of us in here are trying to help people and care for people? And it's awesome. I love that heart. But if we're not at peace in ourselves, we can't possibly manage to give peace to somebody else. We have to go first. Gideon went first. He found peace in that moment. Here's my favorite part of the story. I love seeing the transformation right in the words. Because if you read Judges chapter 6, Gideon's a scaredy cat. I would be too. He's tiny. He's a scaredy cat. God, if you're real, God, if you're doing this, God, 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 I'm not sure about this. He has this Lord, the Lord is peace. And you flip the page, you go to Judges chapter 7. And Gideon, through a series of events, takes his men when he's assured that God's got this. He leads his men. He takes them. And he says, guys, follow me. I'll go first. Follow me, and we will conquer the Midianites. You can see the transformation. He goes from scaredy cat, self-doubter, to strong, confident, anointed leader. What changed? The peace of God. Your peace is a prerequisite to your purpose. You can't walk out the purpose of your life without having the peace of God inside of you. And that peace of God looks like understanding that no matter what comes your way, no matter how big, no matter how painful, no matter how strong, there is a peace that transcends all understanding. And it's found not in a situation, not in an act, but it's found in a person. And that person is Jesus. I know. In depth. There are people in this very room that are walking through situations that are not peaceful. I know how much your heart rips. I know how painful it is. I know how challenging it is, how you stay up at night wrestling with it, young and old alike. I know. And I know you hear a message like this, and it can be a challenge there's also a party that feels a little guilty, like, I know, I just got to give it to God. I got to do this. I got to do that. No, no. Look at the text. God met Gideon where he was. And I love that Gideon's like, hey, can I, can I just, can I, can I get a sign? Wait here. You see how patient God was? I'll be right here. If you want to find peace in the Lord, you have to be authentic with him. You 
have to let him just say, you know what, God, I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling with believing you. I'm struggling with what this purpose is. I'm struggling with how to get over this. You got to be authentic. Because when you're authentic and you're honest, he will take your worries. He'll take your fear. He'll take them. And in the process, he'll give you his peace. And what comes with this peace is his presence. Because the Lord is peace. It's who he is. The more you spend time with him, the more he'll give you what he is, which is peace. Jehovah Shalom. I don't have a single tattoo on my body. I tried to tell Meg I wanted an eagle on my chest, but she wasn't on board with it. But if and when I get a tattoo, the word Jehovah Shalom is going to be tattooed on my arm. It is incredibly hard to find peace in this world. But Jehovah Shalom was a challenge and a reminder to me. Peace is only a step away. One step towards Jesus. One step towards his presence. And everything changes. Gideon went from a man that was full of doubt and unsure of his purpose to walking it out conviction, confidence, and joy. He needed the peace first. All week long, I've been praying for this message. My prayer for you in this room has been that you experience Jehovah Shalom. I'm not talking about peace. I'm not talking about, let me think about, let me think about peace. No, no. That's not shalom. That's cultural peace. Shalom is an utter completeness, a wholeness, knowing God is going to fight for you. God is going to be with you. Now, I want to close with this. A lot of times, my son Ellis loves to hold my hand, or my daughter Parker loves to hold my hand. Something about that little kind of just grasp of my, my pinky finger is amazing. And there are moments we walk slow, we walk at their pace. But there are also moments when I've got their hand, not because they want my hand, but because they need my hand right now. So we're going about to walk fast, and we're about to walk through a crowd, you hold on to my hand. And there are moments I grab their hand, and I pull them this way, I pull them this way. Sometimes I even grab them by the waist and pick them up, and off we go. When he says, I will be with you, that's the perspective he has. Not, come on, you can do it. He says, I'll be with you. He goes, no, no, no. I will be with you. I will fight for you. I will get in front of you. I will get beside you. I will pick you up if I need to. But I will be with you no matter how scary, no matter how intense, no matter how scary or far off I feel. I promise you, I will be with you promise that he keeps and we as human beings have to trust that promise even when it feels that we don't have peace my prayer all week long has been that somehow some way you find shalom and how you find shalom is finding Jehovah and here's how you find Jehovah three quick steps take a picture whatever you want to do with them you got to create space and time for God. 
got to make room. Pray to him. Seek him. Just be honest with him. Give thanks that he's with you. Sometimes that's all the thanks you can give. But give thanks that he's with you. And the last one, pray earnestly. Don't pray what he wants to hear. God, I'm thankful that I'm thankful that I have a family. That's awesome. Give thanks, number two. What if we pray, God, why, why are we struggling with this? God, I'm praying on behalf of my kid, on behalf of my niece, on behalf of my spouse, on behalf of myself. God, I need you here with me. I need you desperately. Be honest, be authentic, pray earnestly. And watch what happens. When you make room, when you choose a perspective of thanks, when you pray with authenticity, you exchange fear and worry for peace. Here's what I'm going to do. If, I, if you could do me a favor, if you close your eyes, bow your head. I just want a moment between you and God as we get out of here today. And I want you to take a moment. You don't have to speak it out loud. You don't have to do anything like that. I want you just to, to think and process for a second. What is robbing me of my peace? It might be a circumstance. It might be a job. It might be a worry. And hear me out. When I say rob, I don't mean that as a negative thing. As if you have something to do with it. I mean, what are the things that make it really hard for you to have peace? I want you to highlight that moment. Without being egregious, without being crazy, you just stick out one hand with your palm up as if you're going to receive something. As an act of surrender, I want you, I'm going to pray. And I want you to, as an act of surrender, kind of take this thing that's robbing your peace and hold it out in front of you on this on your hand that's upright as a way of saying, God, I'm giving this to you. So God, I pray on behalf of each person in this room, each person listening online, God, we all have things that try to ravage our peace from us, that peace that you have promised. And today we take the thing or the things that rob us of that peace and we give them to you as a way of saying, we trust you with this. No matter how difficult, no matter how oppressive, we trust you with this. And in exchange, God, we pray that your presence would bring peace to our very life. I pray that each person in this room this week would feel shalom, a peace that transcends understanding, a peace that is whole and complete, a peace that can only come from you. Be with each person in this room, Lord. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. This has been a podcast of the Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.